Hey everyone, this is the Patreon preview of the part five of Women's History of Labor in the United States series that we're doing. It has taken a lot of effort to put all of this together, and so if you would like the full thing, become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. It's the only way it's the only way that we get any support for doing the show, and we genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. And so without really any further ado, here is the preview. And so Defying from the anti-communist and often explicitly misogynist uh, AFL unions, uh, including the all-male leadership of majority women unions like the ILGWU and Amalgamated Clothing Workers, many women unionists participated in the demonstrations, uh, as (laughs) demonstrated by their fighting with the police. And in addition to general relief for the unemployed, the unemployed councils that the Communist Party had, had put together called for nationwide maternity benefits for all mothers paid for out of the public coffers. And the councils additionally fought against the practice of firing married women and fought for free medical care for pregnant women. Communist women played a major role in organizing the unemployed councils. And Foner uh, notes the story of communist Anne Burlack, which I thought was really interesting. And so who, quote, Organized for the National Textile Workers Union in the South, then was summoned to Atlanta to help in the battle of the black and white workers for unemployment relief. She was at a meeting in Atlanta in 1930 of black and white unemployed held under communist sponsorship when it was invaded by the police. Burlack and five other organizers, white and black, were arrested and charged with insurrection under a statute enacted during the Civil War against newly freed blacks, a law that carried the death penalty. The Atlanta Six, as they were called, remained in jail for six months until bail was obtained. Burlack was the first to be released and began a speaking tour sponsored by the ILD to raise funds for the other five. The Atlanta Six were never brought to trial. After she was elected secretary of the National Textile Workers Union in late 1930, Burlack organized mill workers in Pawtucket and Pequod, Rhode Island, and Lawrence and Salem, Massachusetts, and soon became known as the, quote, Red Flame, end quote. On March 6, 1979, Burlack spoke at a meeting in Providence, Rhode Island. The following day, the headlines in the Providence Evening Bulletin read, Red flame is still burning bright after 50 years fighting for her cause, end quote. That's so fucking cool that you could literally be such a badass organizer and cheat death that uh, you get a fucking Game of Thrones nickname. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, no, that shit rocks. Uh, And yes, I mean, I did put the the second part in there partially just because I was just like, oh, Rhode Island mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) but uh no it's actually great it's funny because i was reading um i was reading a a book that i took out from the library uh here about specific like from the the rhode island labor history society which is very small um just about rhode island history and they had the the providence evening bulletin scan from that uh that specific story about her speaking in 1930 and then speaking basically the same spot 50 years later, which is incredibly cool to be organizing and doing this sort of work for that long, uh, especially in this period. Like, that's a hell of a life. (laughs) 
Yeah, and since she began speaking, uh, a speaking tour sponsored by the ILD, what is the ILD? Oh. Yeah, the ILD is the International Labor Defense. That was a uh, communist-backed, but not, I mean, that, I don't mean that in the way that, like, <laughs> uh, you hear Iran-backed for everything these days, where it's like, it was an organization set up of progressive folks, largely folks involved in the legal profession, to defend um, activists who had been fighting either for trade union rights, uh, but also in so many other things. They defended, especially in the case of the Scottsboro Boys is one that there's very famous for that the ILD got involved with because they also got involved with a ton of early anti-segregation uh, legislation, anti-racist legislation, anti uh segregation litigation so is this like the uh the the lawyers guild uh that or the what is, the lawyers defense it's, fund it's or whatever? a little bit like the nlg the national lawyers guild i i think that you're thinking the of. nlg yeah, right it's, i mean there's differences but parallel uh similar like i think of the ild is like what if the aclu was uh cool uh, like when they were originally founded and not almost immediately afterwards when they became anti-communist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which we will talk about in our series on Elizabeth Gurley Flynn uh, because she was directly involved with that. And so in December 1932, another national march for hunger was called. With the winter weather and difficulty traveling for many of the poor marchers, the march assembled just 3,000 participants. But even this small contingent was deemed a massive threat by the state. The marchers, again, only 3,000 of them, not even a huge crowd in Washington, D.C. in 1932, were met at the city limits by hundreds of extremely heavily armed police carrying machine guns and firing tear gas grenades. The 3,000 marchers were herded into a remote side street where they were held without shelter or assistance for two and a half days before a permit was issued and two delegations of 25 delegates were allowed to speak to the elected representatives who claimed to speak for them. They held them outside in the cold for two and a half days? Uh-huh. When, yeah. when they weren't even, like, when they weren't even prepared to have to do that? Yeah, they just herded them into this side street, blocked off the ends of it, and were like, uh, you can't go any farther. Wow. Yeah. So you've got a lot of people, you know, setting up oil barrels for heat and trying to make makeshift tents and stuff. Yeah, it was a, a nightmare. Um, and so the horrific abuse of the marchers prompted a nurse named Dorothy Day to found the long-running socialist newspaper Catholic Worker. After she saw how no Catholic organization had endorsed the march or the actions of the unemployed councils. The councils also upheld the Communist Party's staunch opposition to racism, and black workers were found in the leadership of many councils in the South. In July 1932 in St. Louis, thousands of black men and women fought side by side against the police when the city announced it planned to cut relief to 15,000 families. In January of the next year, 1933, 2,000 women auto workers joined 4,000 men on strike against the bosses of the Briggs Mac Avenue auto plant. Women members of the TUUL-affiliated Auto Workers Union, uh, not, not to be uh, confused with the United Auto Workers, different organization, um, they were being paid as low as four cents an hour, which is fucking wild. That's like, that's like, that's your $2 a week wage right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's four- some, we, we saw some other wages from this era that were like 
uh, I don't know, fucking 15, 20 times that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they were still really low wages. Yes. Yeah. And, and the Briggs plant was forcing these women to illegally work 60 hour weeks. And so the, these 6,000 workers went out on strike. And after six weeks, the women workers won a raise to 30 cents an hour, which is seven and a half times what they were being paid and had their hours capped at 48 hours a week instead of the illegal 60 hour weeks. That is a, that's a pretty significant win. I mean, I know that it's like, it's uphill against, you know, a a really horrible situation, but for them to improve their jobs in that way, I think is pretty significant. And the thing is, and this may sound weird, but hear me out. I think this is an example of a raise so large, one through a strike, that it should automatically result in the boss of said plant immediately going to prison. Immediately dying, <laughs> correct. <laughs> because, and the reason I say it, because but Dan, they just got a huge raise. Isn't that good? Sure, but it's an admission. And mm-hmm. Hamilton Nolan wrote actually a pretty good article about this very topic recently, which is, again, every massive raise won by a strike is an excellent step forward in the class struggle. But what it also is, is an admission of theft yeah. by the bosses. They're, because again, they're just telling you, we could have paid you that shit the whole time, and we just didn't, because we wanted that loot for ourselves. 100%. And so when you get a raise like this huge, I'm like, you are just admitting that what you were paying them before was criminally low. <laughs> so, because like, it's just... Like telling people to survive on four cents an hour and making them strike for six weeks just to go up to 30 cents an hour. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's even that you're only paying them like on a 48 hour work week. That's what, like uh, 15, 16 bucks a week. Like, it's still not that much money. Yeah, it's still straight to, you know, even if that was like what was happening before, straight to jail. Yeah. So, <laughs> I did long to thank you. And it's no excuse. I've got a song to sing you, and it's no excuse. And it sure is the devil, I believe you got a lose. You want to drink a little, you think it's awful nice. When you want to drink a liquor And you think it's awful nice You put your hand in your pocket And you ain't got the price You heard about a job Now you is on your way You heard about a job now you is on your way. Twenty men's after the same job, all in the same old day. Hard time, hard time, we got hard time now. Hard time, hard time, we sure got hard time now. Just think and think about it. We got hard times now. 
You started in Moochin, but you're Moochin then, baby. You started in Moochin, but you're Moochin then, baby. Be careful with yourself, you'll get a ball in time. Light and bacon, want her a dollar up town. Light and bacon, want a dollar up town. Cotton have started to selling, but it keeps going down and down. Just before election, you was talking how you was going to vote. Just before election, you was talking how you was going to vote. And after election was over, your head down like a billy goat. Hot time, hot time, sure got hot time now. Hot time, hot time, we got hot time now. I just think and think about it, we sure got hot time now.